Hello, good evening, and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast. Uh, different to a website, because we're talking. I am your host, Chris, and tonight I am joined by, the usual, two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf once said. I'm sure he'd be proud to welcome our guest this evening. First of all, welcome back, Mr. Rich Allen. Hello, Rich. Hello. Hello. Uh, good to have you back, sir. Have you been, uh, have you been well? Been busy, been well, been unwell, but back and, and raring to go. Splendid. You'll be very pleased to know I haven't called you Jez for at least a week now. So <laughs> I'm sure that will change in the next 45 minutes. Uh, and also uh, hostess with the most us in terms of pushing the buttons, it's Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello. You haven't been called that before, have you? Well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll move on. Uh, right, okay. We've got uh, a few bits and bobs to get through this evening, of course, as always. Busy weekend after the internationals all wrapped up. We're back to Ligue 1 action. Uh, we're also back to Coupe de la Ligue final talk. And that's where we're going to start this week's show, because obviously that was the big game of the weekend. PSG uh, facing Monaco. We all predicted last week, I say we all, uh, myself, Jez and Phil, all predicted that Monaco would run PSG close. Uh, Phil, that did not happen. PSG oh, winners. Thoughts? Really disappointed. I mean, PSG won 3-0 and Monaco just didn't seem to get it together at all to do do the necessary. Um, I was hoping it was going to be high scoring, but both teams would be in it. And seriously, particularly in that first kind of 30 minutes or so, Monaco were nowhere. And I tweeted uh, L'Equipe's kind of pitch diagram, which had the teams, you know, the layouts on it. Obviously, they got Di Maria and Mbappe the wrong way around, but otherwise they were fine. And the first thing First tweet I got back was from our friend Bobetto saying, why is Andrea Raggi playing at left back? <laughs> and I think that didn't go well. I mean, Mbappe was basically running the show down that right wing and he was just turning Raggi about and dumping him on his ass multiple times. It really was really quite uh, kind of difficult to watch. So... What happened was PSG went out there, did the necessary. Mbappe did have a really, really good game, which I think we'd you know, been hoping for after he's had some bizarre criticism recently. Um, hmm. But he really took took the game by the scruff of the neck and was just rinsing um, Raji and, uh, and the rest of the Monaco defence up that side. And they looked completely out of sorts and couldn't, you know, couldn't, get control of anything really um so it was uh you know i think a fair result on the balance of play i think we're all just a bit disappointed that maybe monaco didn't do more to get into it Mm, it was weirdly psg started on the front foot but monaco just seems so in their shells um Mm. and they were kind of punished for that with the first goal um rich what was your thoughts on the whole situation involving the penalty i mean it was given that it wasn't given then it was given i think the right decision was made in the end purely because of the sort of uh take all uh, or take no prisoners last ditch challenge from um was it uh jemison in the end who took it no it's glick wasn't it that you know, i think it was the... fabinho that co- it, there were f- there were four tackles yeah. no there were four different four. challenges as he came into the box so when they went to um, the review I wondered if it was going to come back being not a penalty because one of the ones outside the box hmm. would have been the the one called but in fact it was the last one as you say it was the fourth one that that hacked just hacked him down hmm. it was a clear penalty so that decision I think was right but the fact that he went through four tackles to get there kind of shows you the, the situation that the Monaco defense were in at that point Mm, no, I, I agree. Do you, do you feel, Rich, I mean, there's, lot, there's not much argument in the penalty, was there? And it was dispatched with a plum as usual, from that man Cavani. But it wasn't really up for debate once you saw the replays, was it? No, there's, there's absolutely no reason I don't think it should have taken anywhere near... I mean, it was, was it well over two minutes, I think, or something like that. It, no way it should have taken that long. It should have been... Well, first of all, I think it, 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 was, a, it was a fairly, I thought as penalties for PSG have gone this season, a fairly, fairly obvious one. Um, okay, it went, to, it went to the VAR. That should have been, look at the first replay, done, penalty. 
Well, that, that, that was why I thought this was a problem, that if it goes to replay, and you saw what happened, Turpan gave the penalty, so the Monaco players get round him and start yelling at him. Then he points his finger in his ear and looks to the sidelines, and then the PSG players are surrounding him, yelling at him. It's like VAR, making referees' lives easier. But um, the thing was, if it goes to review, then surely they've got to look at all four of those tackles, which mm. may have taken longer, because you know the last one might have been nailed on, but if one of the previous three... Was was, theory, was was a foul, and one of those was outside the box. Then they'd have to kind of check those off as they go. So I thought that might have been behind the. Uh, um, the well, I suppose the time on those taken. early on those early ones, the advantage just gets played, um, and in, in theory, it should be the last. It should be hmm. the last, the last tackle that gets looked at. So I, I, it's yeah. just curious. But, why g- given so given you know what happened with the second VAR call. Possibly they weren't thinking that logically about it. Oh, clearly not. Clearly not. But there has to be, there has to be an improved process. You know, this isn't the, this is this isn't an isolated incident of of it taking either too long or the end end decision still not being the correct decision. Um, so it, it, it's still very much a work in progress. I don't think it should be taken to the World Cup as it is it is its being. Um, I think it's it's still not the smooth running, efficient, um, you know, put an end to dispute and argument uh, machine that it should be. Um, I think we're we're basically putting aside ten minutes each podcast for uh, discussing VAR if we do World Cup <laughs> pods because <laughs> we know it's looking a lot like things are going to go wrong. Uh, Turpan, of course, is the French rep. Uh, in the refereeing um, at the World Cup, so at least he's had a chance to practice, I suppose. <laughs> practice doesn't necessarily mean uh, that yeah. he knows, but I mean, it's it not was, his it was... fault that they screwed up the other one. Yeah. No, oh, no, 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 no. But um, I'll just go back to it's. It's still not perfect. So why put it on the global stage that is the World Cup? It just to me that doesn't make sense. You know, give it two or three seasons so that bugs like this can be ironed out or, or you know, why, why questions as to why it's taken so long can be answered and, and put right so that we're not you know, bad enough to see it in, in some league games, obviously not in France, but it's, we've then seen it in a cup final. We're now going to see it on the, you know, in a World Cup and potentially a World Cup final where players are going to either be celebrating a goal and then be told like, three minutes later, oh, actually, no, that's not a goal. Or we're going to be sat around three minutes deciding what on earth's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is I, coming I, to Ligue 1 next year. So <laughs> I just, I just, I just can't believe that it's. Well, in a weird way, I can believe because it's obviously FIFA, but um, it, it just seems strange that it's still not perfect. So why, why put it in the World Cup? I mean, this was a, you know, I think this was two glaring reasons why it still needs to be ironed out. Mm. We had one that was just taking an, an age, an unnecessary age, and one where I don't think many of us are convinced the right decision has been made, even after yeah. the review. I mean, that was um, kind of 37 minutes. Falco um, went up for a header with Trap, headed it in. It was disallowed for offside. Now, when they showed the pictures... You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Falco's ahead of the defenders, which he was. He just unfortunately also looked to be behind Ronnie Lopez and the ball, which therefore means he he wasn't offside. So that one was um, the problematic one. I, In a sense, I don't particularly care how long it takes. There's a load of, you know, lounging around happens in football matches anyway. This one looked wrong, and that was a key... Uh, decision because obviously uh, Di Maria had scored PSG's second around about 20 minute mark if Falcao's goal had stood that would have been 2-1 going in you know with a couple of minutes to play before half time we then saw just after that Lopez forced uh, a great a save from Trap who managed to parry it out Lamar then hits it in Trap makes another save you know if that had been 2-1 rather than 2-0 then that could have been, you know, a, a very different ball game. And what we saw in the second half was things kind of devolved into dirtiness um, because 
Monaco were kind of out of it at that point. Whereas if they'd been at 2-1, it would have been a very different complexion on the game. What do you think? Well, there was there was the Lopez there was the the Lopez one on one as well. Yeah, that's shit. The, mm. the form the form that he's in, any other game this season, he's scoring mm. there. Yeah, you know, he's been in terrific form of late. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you know you count yourself a little bit unlucky there. Chip was not really the right decision to have gone for one on one. Again, I'd have I'd have said in any other game he'd have just calmly slotted that past past mm. track. Yeah, TV kept there. kept stressing, you know, Monaco have scored two goals, at least two goals in the last 12 league games. It's like, well, yes, but none of those were against PSG. And I think it it looked like the setup from the beginning was not right. So, you know, the, the defence is basically a shambles. Um, and while they did kind of come back into it, you know, later on in the first half, the second half was just basically people kicking each other a lot of the time. I thought Lopez was Monaco's best player, but he went off with 20 minutes to go, presumably because he was knackered. And um, things just kind of didn't uh, didn't move on from there. You also had, obviously there was the, there was the selection issue of, uh, I still can't fathom what... Um, what Jardine was thinking of with with Andrea Raji starting at left back. No, exactly. It's not like it's not like he's up against the player that Monaco like. Oh blimey, he's actually quite good. You know, they they yeah. know Mbappe better than any other team in that division. That was the weird part, wasn't it? That yeah. was the so, yeah. So I, I just I don't I don't understand. You know, they had Almame Torre on the bench. Who they had Jorge it, on the bench. They had yeah. So they had him on the bench, who's just a natural left sided player. See to be. It pains me to say it, but you could have moved Sidibe to left back, and he'd have probably done a better job, and and had Almami Torre at, at right back maybe. And there's, there were other options that seemed far more obvious than starting Ray. And I I, I love Andrea Raji. I think mm. he's been a terrific servant for them. But left back, Coupe de la League final against PSG against Mbappe, it, yeah. it just it it didn't make, it, that didn't make sense. I was also slightly, perhaps less of a contentious selection, but the form that Steven Jovetic has been in, of mm. late, him, him, and him and Ronnie Lopez have been the standout players for Monaco for the last what, two months or so. Yeah. Um, I, I know Falcao is, is obviously captain and he's just coming back from an injury, but I just, I just thought, I know he came on at half time, but yeah, and I, I that was in a sense supposed to kind of rejig the the formation obviously Tielemans went off from so they kind of more shifted to a 4-4-2 but it really didn't seem to work as the as the two up front they they kind of looked like they hadn't met previously I mean the first 20 minutes of the the second half particularly it, it was very very disconnected so I think it was a as you say there were some bad calls from Jardim for the starting eleven, and then what he tried to do to fix it just didn't then didn't work because they were two nil down. So you're you're fighting a losing battle. Um, so that was again uh, a little a little disappointing. It just yeah. it just felt that there was too many issues that were that Monaco had they put right in the first place or reacted perhaps a little sooner. The result may have been different. They were unlucky, obviously, with you know some mischances with the with the incorrect um, decision on on Falcao's goal being ruled out. Um, so there was there were those selection issues just seemed strange. Jardim was mm. very often proved to be a very very sensible, organised manager, and I just don't understand. I'd love to have known what his thinking was. He obviously had a an idea. He's not a bad manager that just chucks random players anyway. No. He knows what he's doing. So I, I would love to have known what the reason was for playing Ranji because it, to me it just made no sense. The um the second goal as well came down his side if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, um, Mbappe broke really yeah. rapidly from um, Monaco having a, an effort in the box. And it was a perfect long pass across. Um, and yeah. Di Maria, it looked like he might have screwed it up. You know, he kind of stuttered and couldn't get his feet right, but then, um, you know, slotted it kind of under through Subasic. I'm guessing he's not going to be massively happy with that one because he was. I thought it was really poor goalkeeping. I, I like Subasic, but I think he's 
if I'm honest, I think he's a little bit overrated. He um, was dicking around a bit in the second half, particularly. He wasn't yeah. quite doing Cruyff turns in your own area, but he did. Uh, I think one clearance he managed to just hit straight to Cavani. He did a couple of other things where you're thinking, "Oh, come on, mate!" You know, yeah. <laughs> your defence are, you know jittery enough don't let's give anybody any heart attacks at this point so yeah, yeah i think um one thing was uh, obviously the cavani goal that was refused in the second half for offside that was the correct decision and that didn't go to var so possibly yeah. should be trusting the referees but then cavani's um second psg's third five minutes from time was you know a kind of a a really nice direct El Matador lashes it home goal. Uh, so mm. kind of characteristic for him. But I do still think if it had been 2-1 rather than 2-0, the complexion of the second half would have been so different. So it's, you know. This was this was also one, one performance I, I, I did look at. Um, I think it was the first game that I thought Lamar looked like he'd sort of had enough. I thought that um, as well. He's, yeah, he didn't have any influence. He's, yeah, he's he's been a player that reacted, I thought, really well to not getting that move in the summer. It would have been very easy for a young player, and we've seen it countless times that he could have thrown all his toys out the pram and been an absolute nuisance. But he didn't. He, he you know, okay, injuries have kept him out for quite a bit, but he's knuckled down. He's worked hard. I don't think he's quite been at the form of last season, but I think there's a few circumstances that that give reason to that. But the, the the final on Saturday night, I thought, was the first game where he seemed almost disinterested. And and it was almost one of those performances that you, you see frequently from players who are playing almost for a move away. They're, they're, their heart's not in it. There have been a few things that have come out in recent interviews about he was disappointed, but he's, he's hoping to work hard and play for those teams that came in last summer to come back this summer. That's a slightly indifferent attitude. I have mixed feelings about that. But I thought the game on Saturday was one of those opportunities where he could show, you know what, I am still the, exactly the same player, and if not better than the player from last season, to really get those player, get those teams and bigger teams interested um, once again. But he really failed to shine. I wasn't overly impressed with the sort of attitude he was giving off. Um, that's something that I've I've never really said about Thomas Lamar before. I think he's always been, acted in a really professional manner, but I got the impression last night, that, uh, Saturday night, sorry, one or two times he looked really frustrated. There was almost sort of, you know, sort of hands waving up and down almost with sort of frustration that he wasn't getting to do what he wanted to do or the ball wasn't going where he wanted it to do or, or passes weren't being made how he wanted passes to be made. And to me, it was just a little inkling of we don't want to see that side of Thomas Lamar. It's, it's, it's incredibly uncharacteristic. And I'm praying that that was simply just a one-off and that's just a frustration of a season where he's perhaps injuries have prevented him hitting his top form. Mm. A build-up of all various frustrations of not, not leaving last summer. So I'm hoping that's all it is. But it was certainly the first game where I really noticed that and thought, Mm, I hope that's just a one-off yeah yeah I think his reputation alone will probably get him a move in the summer but as you say clubs will be looking for you know attitude the Riyad Mahrez scenario is a good one to judge by isn't it it's like well players or teams will look at the attitude of other players before they sign but yeah I'm I'm with you Rich I hope it doesn't sort of go that way um I think it's fair to say at 2-0 the game was done um late on uh, Monaco sort of pushing forward to try and get back in the game um, exposed at the back again, Cavani. Uh, very good goal, to be fair, to make mm. it three nil. Um, he's um, he's proving a lot of people wrong. Uh, not myself and Jez, it has to be said completely yet. But you know, he's getting goals. Um, El Matador, nevertheless, and um, he's a he's a happy happy chappy. Um, mm. What's your sort of thoughts, Phil? On it? I mean, does he have a future in terms of what PSG are looking to do with rebuilding in the summer? Well, I think you'd be dumb to sell him so he might mm. be um no i think he he does he plays a role which is uh, obviously a goal scoring role yes he shanks the occasional one but more than occasional and the fact is his misses are 
kind of maybe he gets more stick because they are more obvious and more flamboyant misses. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's definitely got a got a place. And I think that the PSG fans love him because they can see he is genuinely trying. He puts everything into it, all of that chest beating and roaring and shouting at the crowd. I think that's all completely um completely sincere i mean the man wants to score goals so uh i think he's got a lot of uh credit in the bank on that one and if they let him go for somebody else who they pay 80 million quid for you know i think the fans would be irked by that uh one stat i saw after this which is that danny alves has got some kind of record for having 36 career trophies yeah I saw that. this was well. tweeted That's... by barcelona who of course pointed out that 23 of those were won <laughs> with barcelona um but yeah he seems to have more silverware than any other active footballer um Maxwell anywhere will feel wrong. yeah Maxwell, yeah, Maxwell, Maxwell um, will always be better. Just, just, just on, just on Cavani. I think, I think the only thing to counter is, is obviously they've got the 180 million for for Mbappe to pay. Presumably that's going to be paid this summer. Um, so it's a case, it's a case of, obviously the 220 odd million for Neymar sort of screwed them financially a little bit last summer. Hence this, you know, dubious loan deal with, with Mbappe and why they couldn't mm. bring in. That, that elusive central mid, you know, defensive midfielder. So it's a case of if this 180 million is paid, how much does that, you know, knacker them from from a re- you know adding and rebuilding certain areas to the squad? You know, they're gonna, you know, these these Fabinho these Fabinho rumours are strengthening again. Um, you know, he's I, d- the- I just don't think that would be a good idea. Well, I, don't, I, mean, I, I know don't he. I know he's been sulking since the beginning of the season, but you know, that's not the air. I suppose maybe they want to make him a right back again. Who knows? But you know, that just but if they, if, if they if they want to bring in, if say him, you know, that's going to be I don't know minimum sixty mil at the very, at the very least. I'd have mm. thought that Monaco would want for him. So there's all of a sudden, you know, there's there's a big chunk going out there. There's an even bigger chunk going out on Bappe. You know, if they want to add a few more to this squad, you know, Di Maria is getting on. Pastore up in the air, what his future will be. Hatton Ben Arthur's leaving. Ben Arthur oh. back to his... his <laughs> Poor old Ben Arthur. Oh. What um, about Seri, though, Rich? Isn't he so, the cheaper option? He's, what, 30 million buyout clause? He's, still the, he's the cheaper option, but I, again, he's another one that's had the old second season syndrome. I don't think... He's, he's certainly improved, as have Nice throughout the season. He mm. obviously had a very poor start. I just, I don't know with him. I really don't know. I think he didn't react very well to not getting his move to Barcelona last summer. He really didn't react very well. I thought he was really poor, certainly the first sort of third of the season. Um, But to come back to the Cavani point, it's a case of if they need to free up some money, is he not a player that they could look to cash in? Is he not a player that they think, well, we could at least, I know he's getting on a bit, but in this market, you, you could probably still get 40 million for him at least. You know, is he not a player that they think, well, we could cash in on him and, and use that money to help? It seems silly to suggest that they need to sell to rebuild you know, build up this squad because it's PSG. But it, pro- it was proven last season, uh, last summer, that they, they, you know, no matter how much money they spend and how much money they have in their, their disposal, they still have to manage those books to, to meet whatever the wacky, weird and wonderful FFP rule, rules are. So it may be that Cavani is a player that they could look to perhaps move out and bring in a striker that may work a bit better with, with Neymar and Mbappe. Maybe. Or maybe they don't replace him. Maybe they go with um, you know, Neymar and Mbappe as their sort of forward players and, and rely on you know, a couple more central attacking or wider players so I think that's the only, I think that's the only reason that we could perhaps see Cavani move out is to is to help with the books in terms of bringing other reinforcements in in areas where they do need strengthening yeah it's a, it's a busy summer nevertheless as we covered in our last show on PSG where we went in, in depth but um, here's, a, here's a more broader question then um, obviously it's PSG's fifth in a row now Coupe de la Ligue um, is there any point in anyone even trying 
to compete for this trophy. I mean, it seems that they can win it at will with very little, um, well, defence, really. I mean, they, they just steamrolled. I don't think they conceded a goal in the competition, did they? I think I read somewhere. Um, I mean, is there? it sounds silly to say, is there any point? Of course there's a point, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but the, you could equally say is there a point doing anything in French domestic football at the moment. There is. Yeah. Um, they're still in the Coupe de France, which given what Caen looked like and the fact there's two national teams playing off in the other semi-final, mm. you know, good luck with that. Um, and they're, what, 17 points clear at the head of the league? Yeah. But you have to keep trying because otherwise, you know, you it's just lie down and die. At mm. some point... PSG are going to have to say, we're going to have to sacrifice one of these domestic trophies, one of these domestic cups. We're just going to have to say, if we're genuinely determined to get Champions League success, which is absolutely 100% what they want, then until they get, you know, a squad where they have, you know, 30 absolutely world-class players, they're going to have to prioritise other tournaments. They're going to have to prioritise the Champions League they're going to have to prioritise the league. So they're going to have to, and therefore, you know, almost take their eye off the ball slightly. And it will, it will They happen. don't have to, ironically, they don't have the biggest squad in the world. No, and exactly. We've seen very few youngsters come through. And Kunku uh, has been getting a bit more game time. Way has got a seat on the bench a couple of times. But, you know, Kimpembe is now kind of a fixture, which is great. Celsius. But there were so many other chances to play some of those youth team guys. Give them a chance. You're going to win anyway. And mm. they don't. And that's that was always seemed weird to me. Uh, it really has. Well, they, they, put, they put four past Strasbourg. They put four past Toulouse. But in both of those games, Strasbourg and Toulouse got two goals. We got we Ren got two goals yeah. against them in the semi final. That would have if you got another one. Oh, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I, admittedly, they were very, very, very late goals, both yeah. the Ren goals, but yeah. it, it's it's proof. It, it it can happen. You know, they've been pushed close before. Yeah, exactly. You know, they 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 lose games. They're not they're not going to go for the time being anyway. They're not going to be going unbeaten throughout every single tournament mm. that they're in. So. They, I think that at some point, as I say, PSG are going to have to say, we'll sacrifice one of these domestic cups. We want Champions League success. Our focus is 100% Champions League. And, you know, with that, and maybe maybe a coach, you know, a new coach comes in. Maybe if they'd have beaten Real Madrid, maybe they would, you know, they wouldn't look to be prioritising this. Maybe they would have played, um, you know, a weaker um, 11 against Monaco in the final you know maybe in future tournaments they do get you know, past that quarter final stage and therefore you know eyes come off the ball because Champions League is the focus so I think there's hope there um, it, it, it's you know a little frustrating but I think we also have to say to other teams well look play your strongest teams mm. you know I think we they still were beaten see. last season yeah, you know, it, it, we, this we, is this is one thing we kind of forget. Monaco won last season. Exactly. Well, it yeah, is yes. possible. But so. it, you know, in, in the cup in the cup games, take advantage. PSG are not going to play their one hundred percent strongest team in either of the cup runs, either of them. So you play your strongest team. You know, Strasbourg did in the league against against PSG and beat them. You know, Leon did uh, against PSG in the league, beat them. Teams last season did and beat them. You know, if you're if you're going to go into that game thinking it doesn't matter what team PSG are going to put out, we're focused on something else, so we'll put out a weaker team as well. Well, then that that's then begs the question of what's the point? Hmm. But play your best teams. You know, we're in a position now where that top four is probably going to now remain the top four for the next few seasons. You know, it's going to look very difficult for a team to break into that top four. So use these cups as an opportunity to, to get a European place, you know, really push hard. So it, the onus is on other teams, I think perhaps more than PSG, but I think there will be opportunities. Mm. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a very tough one, as you say, domestically out, you know, the outlook on French football domestically is a, t- is a difficult one to discuss anyway, but I, I take the points there. Um, so that was PSG um, and winning again, no surprises there, but we did have some, some league action 
in place as well um, at the weekend. And uh, by our own confessions, myself and Rich didn't see all the games. But uh, Phil, between us, we'll kind of cobble our way through. You did see a little bit of Dijon Marseille. First yeah, the, 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 the Friday game. This was slightly chaotic, um, but it ended 3-1 to OM. Um, who are having some injury worries at the moment, which with their Europa League uh, called final coming up on Thursday is a worry because they've now got more. Um, they had Tovans out with a hamstring issue. Amavi was suspended and Sakai wasn't back yet from a muscle strain. So these rumours kind of flying around beforehand that Lucas Acampos was going to play left back. And I was thinking, oh my lord! Uh, it turns out it was actually um, Bubakar Kamara, Kamara who uh, got the emergency fullback role and did a really, really good job. Um, I think that's his first league on start. He is actually a DM, so he did a great job back there. And um, Valjean scored in the first half to put um, OM one 0 up, but then in the second half. Um, Dalolio and made some kind of canny substitutions. He took off, I think Samaritano went off and Naim Sleety came on and he immediately started causing people problems in, in midfield and, uh, and putting the ball about. And then um, uh, Chan Hoon Kwon came on for, I can't remember, but he scored pretty much immediately after coming on the pitch, um, which was great, which set up a really kind of tense last 15 minutes or so, which is made more tense by the fact that Steve Mandanda had limped off shortly after the restart to be replaced by Johan Pele. Mandanda's going to be out for four to six weeks. Rami then limped off with 10 minutes to go to be replaced by Gregory Sertic, who we haven't seen since the 1st of October. Um, Rami's going to be out for two weeks apparently so that really throws uh, the Europa League game into some confusion um, then Owen went back in front with a goal from a campus but then it was injury time all hell broke loose there were kind of there were two penalties given uh, Payet missed the first one uh, or rather Rene saved the first one, uh, but Pae scored the second one. Um, Yambere got sent off. Rene got booked for protesting. It was all a complete chaos from about 88 minutes to 95 minutes. Um, so it was a very good, fun game to watch. I imagine it was quite tense for Marseille fans, but they should be very pleased that their team came through that with some key people missing. At the outset, some key people lost during the game and uh, the team still held on and acquitted themselves well. I have, it was really frustrating because I spent, I did watch this game, I spent 87 minutes slating at Campos. <laughs> and of course, 88th minute, he scores. Now, I've yet to see an angle which conclusively proves he it was got actually any, him that put the ball in. Yeah, well, it was, well, no, it's more, more to point any part of him that wasn't his arm. It, to me, it seemed like he, his arm guided that in. It was his arm was very close to his body. Don't quite know why his arm was there because any other part of his body would have put the ball in the net. But you know, at the risk of, of stirring up old anti-OM accusations again, if you know VR, VAR next season would perhaps potentially have ruled that out. The AR certainly, I don't think, would have given that first penalty that, that Pae missed um, because I, I just didn't see it as the yeah. foul, let but alone... The second one was. The second, second one so was. That's the yeah, one yeah, that yeah. But the first one was the one that Yambare got sent off for. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again... Having um, one fewer people back there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the second penalty was, was, was scored pretty much in the sort of bedlam that followed the, the first mix. Yeah. It was, the ball sort of stayed in that general vicinity. Yeah. So, I think um, the TV flashed up when the first one was given. Dijon have conceded 12 penalties this season, the highest in the league. And it was like, immediately I had to cross that out and write 13 <laughs> in on my notes. Um, yeah, they do seem to have a little bit of an issue back there. But yeah, two in injury time. That was pretty it, special. But as, as, as Phil said, you know that's a, it's a very very good win for Marseille. Mm. You know that that's a that's a game that especially considering the really really big you know really strong form Dijon are in at home. Yeah, 
I don't think they've is it two or three that they've only lost at home this season. They're a good uh, watch at home as well, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 and they play nice when... football. And that's when, when they brought Sleety on, you saw them opening up and starting to, you know, do their thing more uh, as we're used to. And that was that seemed to be causing real problems. And then Quan coming on and obviously getting the goal back. But they just couldn't then build on that. Um, so you know, it but was you, a, very, mean... a very good win for Marseille, who, of course, I think that's going to be useful because that was a kind of a, not a backs against the wall, but it was a tough character display, which is what they're going to need when they have even fewer first team players available when they, they go to Leipzig on Thursday. So I, hopefully that's going to, you know, be in their minds and, you know, carry them through uh, to, you know, they've got more experience. They've got more nous, you know, of some of the people who are left on the pitch than that very young Leipzig team. So hopefully they'll be able to use that to, you know, maybe sneak a point and take a good chance back to the velodrome next week. Yeah. Yeah. We got that upcoming, of course. Um, We are just going to touch on in the time we've got left a little bit on the relegation sort of situation as well, because there was two quite big games at the bottom um, Phil's having one, Rich is having the other. We had uh, Strasbourg 2, Mets 2 uh, in an absolutely topsy-turvy nuts game. Uh, and we also had uh, Lille losing at home again, this time to Amiens, uh, by a goal to nil. Um, Rich, let's start with your game, which was the Lille game that you saw. Um, I mean, we keep saying this, you know, they've got six pointers, they need to win the home games, etc., etc. They're in real trouble, aren't they? This is, this is a massive defeat. Uh, it's really big. It really. I mean, yes, they're only they're still only two points from safety, but it, this was not a this was not a, a, a the result. If you look at the result, it's not a good result. I think there is little bits they could take from the performance. Certainly, I think they were perhaps a little unlucky to come away with 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 uh, with defeat because they certainly had the the lion's share of of the. Um, the opportunities, but I think perhaps what sums up both these teams very well was I think there was there's 25 shots of which only five were on target, um, which sums That's not good. <laughs> it was it was very low on quality. It was a very surreal match because of course Lille's um, stadium is closed, um, so it was played in a very eerie stadium because of course the Stade Pierre Morat is a is a big stadium. And there was. It's were... got a hell of an echo. I'm yeah, it really there. does. And it... so the sound was bouncing off the pitch. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, very I, weird. I tweeted during the game that it, it sounded like all the players were mic'd up. You could hear it sounded like they were mic'd mm-hmm. up to the PA system because you could hear everybody. You could hear Gautier on the sidelines barking orders at individual. You, know, you could actually hear him talking to the individual players. You could hear the players talking to each other on the pitch. It was a really... Re- I mean, we've seen plenty, unfortunately. We've seen plenty of games played behind closed um, closed doors. But this was certainly the most surreal one because of simply just the size of this of the stadium. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a game that they really, really wanted to win. Um, uh, considering the possession they had, considering they had, the, the, you know, they had more chances than Arian, then, yeah, they probably should have won. But... Um, I think what they have to do from this is they have to regroup. They have to look at, okay, we need a slight improvement on finishing, and they wouldn't have lost this game. Mm. Really I mean, wouldn't. just in the in the like injury time, Mendes hit the bar, and then Motiba actually got the ball in the back of the net, but had so blatantly pushed over the the, the guy marking him that it was obviously disallowed, but. You know they, they they do have that in them. They just can't seem to actually do it. It's very, it, it, there's, very there's, almost, there's almost there's almost some fear there that's that's stopping them. Almost, I thought when Gautier came in that he would be the man to 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 galvanise that squad mm. to get them believing in themselves. And yeah, okay, he's galvanised the squad, but I don't quite think he's nailed that having belief yeah. in themselves. Well, he's never been a guy to encourage, you know, free-scoring, free-wheeling, attacking football, perhaps. So maybe the defence has kind of sorted itself out a bit because they haven't been shipping 
large quantities, but it's the attack that needs to click and um, it's not doing. Hello? They went down fairly early on um, at Strasbourg. They fought really hard, I thought, to get back. Um, Strasbourg then went down to 10 men and you thought, this is it, you know, this is going to be a really big, really encouraging um, uh, three points for Mets that they so desperately need. Then they themselves go down to 10 men. Two minutes later, Strasbourg equalised and you just feel that's going to be such a deflating, not a loss, but certainly a loss of three points that they they had within their own grasp. You know, they had it and and just threw it away. And sadly, you know, that's too many times that we've seen it from Mets. Um, you know, they, they try, they try, they try. They just don't seem to have that quality for, for the full 90 minutes. Um, and as I say, we've seen that in too many games this season. Um, so as you say, a couple of... About a month ago, I thought, you know what, this this could be on. You know, this would put Toulouse's escape from a few seasons ago to shame. But I just think over the course of the last few games, where you know they have tried, but they just just not had the quality. Um, I think really does consign them to to lead their next season. Yeah. I mean, I was um, uh, just chatting with Jez earlier, um, trying to kind of make him feel better, pointing out he Mets do actually have arm on the best run of form in the bottom five and his point was we can't buy a win though and they do with the six point gap need one uh, so my apologies if I dropped out there a minute we do still appear to be recording so so we're yes. good yeah <laughs> we're all good we, we were just saying that the Mets are all but gone but uh, feel yeah. free to share your thoughts on that one no I think it, and it is like I say well it's a pity if anyone has to go down but if they despite the fact they are on a a better run of form than some of the teams above them. They are six points off. So it has to be a really big recovery that they manage. And they don't look able to do that. And, you know, they do have some very good players. Molle's goal was, you know, roofed from a really tight angle on the left. I mean, it was a lovely strike. And you saw the passion, you know, the enthusiasm. They, they really, really want to, they're still fighting which is brilliant because some teams would have down sticks at this point and just be calling their agents. They are still very engaged. But, you know, they're seven points off, eight points off safety, depending on whether you see the playoff as safety or not. So, yes, possibly some of the teams above them are going to have a bit of a caper, but we've already seen Bordeaux have escaped, Saint-Étienne have escaped, as we were kind of expecting, but that means that those teams, that are the other teams that are down there, somebody's going to you know, move up at some point. Whether Toulouse are going to manage that again, God only knows. But, you know, that, that kind of bottom six, seven, it is still very tight in the bottom half of the table. But they are six points off at the bottom, and that the, is just a huge gap to try to make up with only seven games left. The, the glimmer of hope they've got is after the, the next two games, which are Lyon and Rennes, they've got Caen, they've got Lille, they've got Angers, they've got Amiens. Mm. You know, they, they you know, it, on paper, they are games that they met perhaps at the start of the season would have thought, yeah, they're winnable games. So, you know, if they can maintain that mentality, keep They've got to keep positive, which is yeah. going to be incredibly difficult to do, especially if they lose those next two games. But, you know, it's not, it's not a certainty yet um, for, for, for those guys. I, I personally think it is, but I'm hoping they're not listening. But, um, uh, you know, with those four games, we, it's a, sounds easy to say, I know, but win all four of those. And, and they'd the, still only be 15th now. Yeah, so it, it's it's... It's going to be nigh on, you know, it's nigh on impossible, I know, but it's still not definite. It's not yeah. as obvious as it says, but, you know, they've we got need to, we, to Basically, there. we need to stick Frederick Hans in, you know, one of Depraz's jumpers and make <laughs> him give a really emotional halftime team talk or something like that. It's the way forward, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I think um, old, um, Big Boss uh, Andrew Gibney is going back to Lille at the end of the month to see Lille Fimets. Oh, poor which, And I just suggested get Jez over there. I'll send whiskey. Um, yeah. I think I think with 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 Gib going over, that's probably music to Jazzy's ears. Actually, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, given his record, that's a good point. Um, yeah. yeah, one other team we just um, just wanted to mention briefly. Uh, obviously, Bordeaux um, uh, went down two one away at Gangon in the early game on Saturday before the cup final. And I was just noting uh, the Gus Poye bounce appears to have deflated quite badly. They are now winless in six. Yeah. Losing to OM and Monaco. Fair enough. But then to Ren and Gangon in between drawing with Nice and a nil-nil draw against Angers. Uh, So things not looking brilliant again at Bordeaux. Uh, Malcolm did get um, did get their kind of late consolation there, which was a rebound after his penalty had been saved. So even that wasn't, you know, a particularly brilliant yeah. moment. But mm. but Clement Grenier did score a blinding free. Oh, oh that was yeah, that was lovely. Back it's good to, good to have him back, isn't it? Isn't it just? <laughs> uh, so yeah, the um, the Bordeaux situation. I I presume they give Poya an eighteen month contract, but Rolling, isn't it, with Poyet, I'd give him? Yeah. Might, might be revisited in the summer. Who knows? It may well be. Um, speaking of uh, visiting or revisiting, we will uh, we'll finish the show this week with just a quick look ahead at what's to come this weekend. Um, so what games are we looking at this weekend, chums? We've got... Um, there's one... Uh, St. Etienne PSG, of course, is a, is a Friday game. We've got a midweek game as well, Ren and Monaco. Uh, which is Wednesday, so that's probably two that would be worth a watch. But what else are we looking at? Phil, have you got one you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, I think Sartetian PSG is going to be interesting. Sartetian are unbeaten in nine, have scored, scored in all of them. Uh, obviously, PSG are motoring, but maybe a bit of a cup hangover. And Saint-Étienne are on a really good run of form. Remy Cabela's... Um, Cabela's playing uh, very well. Matthew Debushi got the got uh, the other goal in their three nil win over Nantes at the weekend on the plane. Um, so I think that one's going to be a really really fun watch on Friday night. And the other one I thought would be interesting is the early game on Sunday, which is Nice versus Rennes uh, in the race for sixth. Uh, because it's really tight there. Fifth, Montpellier, fifth. Mo- Montpellier on 45, Rennes on 45, Nice are on 45, Nantes are on 44. And those four teams are kind of all sort of playing each other. Um, so, yeah, with PSG winning the Coupe de la Ligue and also looking nailed on for the Coupe de France and obviously having the league in the bag, fifth and sixth get Europa League places. So, um that race uh, will be uh, possibly an interesting aspect to the to the end of the season. So Nice playing Ren, both on forty five points, will be will be an interesting one. I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think I uh, concur with those. Rich, is there anything you would add to those? I mean, they're the well, standouts, no, but not. Yeah, not. I wanted to sound too bad. But nice, Nice, Ren is probably the big game um, of the weekend. Um, if I was to look further down the table, I mean, you've got, you know, Amiens are playing Khan. Neither of those teams are out of it. Um, Amiens obviously want to build on that, that big win at, big win at Lille. Um, you know, it's a case of Lyon, you know, Mets v Lyon, you know, Mets want to try and bag something there. They have done, I think they have done previously last season, I think Mets. May or may not have won at home against Leon, but Leon obviously in a, a you know a decentish run of form at the minute. They're looking to to try and haul in Marseille for third place and don't have um, anything else on. And Marseille no. are hosting Montpellier, who have rescored, refound some scoring form after putting uh, three past uh, Caen uh, at the weekend. Are currently in fifth, and there is a it's a degree of a derby on the grounds that they're both roughly in the same longitude. Um, so I think 
particularly as Marseille are obviously playing Europa League on Thursday, that's going to be a tricky game, whereas Lyon are playing Mets. So that's but it, kind think, of feels like a gimme for, for Lyon there in, in the race for then third and the Champions League spot. But yeah. I think, yeah, Nice-Ren nice is the game to, yeah. to, to keep an eye out on. I think there's a lot riding on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, it looks like a fairly exciting weekend. There's quite a few fixtures um, that will be worth a little nose, I think it's fair to say, um, if, if you get a chance to tune in. The PSG-St. Etienne game, just because it's PSG-St. Etienne, even though it may not be as competitive as we might like, it's, uh, I think that'll be worth worth tuning in for, certainly. And as you say, there's a couple of those games that do stand out the weekend. nice Ran is the kind of the one I'm quite tempted by. And Mets leon could be absolutely nuts. Um, just yeah, that's a good point, time. actually. So, uh, oh, there, yeah. was a, there was a mild kind of punch-up at the end of Strasbourg. Mats at the weekend. Yeah. After the second goal, there was a degree of managers pointing pointedly at each other's faces and yelling and swearing and stuff. Lots so who knows? Yeah. 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 Bring on the carnage. Bring on the carnage. Um, we will, of course, uh, be um, be back to cover those games next week. Uh, I will just give you an opportunity for any other business, boys and girls. But uh, other than that, that's pretty much our show for this week. So. Anybody got any any closing thoughts they want to uh, mention at all? Uh, no, there will be a preview of Rebel Leipzig, which I've discovered means lawn ball sports, uh, versus OM in the Europa League. Uh, that's going to be going up on Thursday. Basically, it's not looking good for OM, but if they can really hold tight and get a point, that would be a brilliant result to take back to the Velodrome, given the amount of injuries they've got and the focus they have to put on the weekend's game it's going to be difficult but um you know a campus is in form Payet scoring uh in the absence of Tovan and various other people will they be able to to put something together to to take that forward that's going to be an interesting game uh if they can get a point that would be brilliant uh to take back to the Vell next week we shall see. We shall see. Last hopes and all that. Uh, Rich, anything from you to finish off the show at all? I am done. I am done. Well, that makes two of us slash three of us. Uh, so um, that will conclude this week's podcast. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, we appreciate each and every single one of you. Uh, we appreciate that you've all got busy lives. So thanks for sticking us in your ears once again. Um, we will be back, as we say, uh, all being well next week. We might be three. We might be four. We might even be two. You just never know. Uh, but I'm sure you'll be back with us. Uh, you can find us at French Football or French FT Weekly, I should say. Uh, and you can, of course, check out the website where the previews that Phil mentioned there will be going up Um, and of course you can interact with us if you've got a burning question or something you want us to debate or discuss you can drop us a line and we'll do our best to cram it into the show so uh, please do that Uh, so I shall wrap the show there my thanks to firstly Phil thank you very much Phil thank you and thank you for Rich welcome back thank you very much and as I say we'll be back next week until then enjoy your French football and have a pleasant week